0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: <laughs> Ozak's line on the ice. Blues win it. Fault clears it. Out to center, played in by Walker, sent behind the net, and there it is. Horn sounds, and you can bring out the Zamboni. The Blues have defeated the Dallas Stars by a score of four to one, and they have earned points in six straight games. And a big game here tonight, Joe, has given the St. Louis Blues a nine-point lead in the standings over the Dallas Stars. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to... Here, let's Guess what day go. it there is. And pump day. It is. Good morning, everyone. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That was the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, last night here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Michelle. How are you feeling?
3: Randy, I'm feeling great this morning. Another win for the St. Louis Blues. Another win with or should we call them the, the Springfield Blues at this point? Kind
2: of, yeah. That's a,
3: basically what they are. But another impressive performance from this team.
2: Yeah, uh, Charles Lynn Lind- Grin, a.k.a. the Spirit of St. Louis, a.k.a. Lucky Lindy,
3: a.k.a. Chucky Sideburns.
2: spectacular again for the Blues and the Calvary is coming last night, a scoreless first period, but Dallas takes the lead. They get their first goal of the game at 1557 of the first, but the Blues come back. Colton Pareko ties it at the 1703 mark. Then in the third, a 1-1 game and Justin Falk is back.
4: Falk with a shot. He scores! Justin Falk gets the
5: puck on the near side. He beats it inside the far post. Sticks side on Ottinger. And the Blues are on top 2-1. 17.53 to go in the third.
2: Later in the third, the Blues snapped Dallas's 24 consecutive penalty kills in a row streak. Ryan O'Reilly scoring on the power play, Tarasenko scoring on the power play at 18:43. 4-1 was the final, and Justin Falk, a great game back in his first game off of the COVID list.
6: Yeah, it was a good game by, uh, by the boys. Uh, they made it uh, easy for me to come in to a team that's playing well and, and uh, playing hard, and, you know, it makes it a lot easier for for myself and Bozy to to come back in the lineup and and just kind of slide in uh, seamlessly when the team's playing well.
3: And you didn't know exactly what you were going to get from those guys because when you're out while in the protocol, you're not supposed to be skating, you're supposed to be quarantining at your house. So you didn't know if Bozak and Falk were going to be a little bit rusty or exactly what you could expect of them. But Justin's Falk, especially not rusty at all. He came out and was really effective for the Blues last night.
2: And he had obviously a, a rugged first year with the Blues. He looks like he's a top pairing guy. He looks like a guy that I have no problem if he's one of my top 2 guys. If you have him and Pareko on the right side, you're fine. You can win a Stanley Cup with those two on the right side.
3: It's it's hard to believe the guy that we're seeing now was the guy who had the first season here in St. Louis, but not only was he not playing the position that he was used to playing, he went from being the guy in Carolina to coming to a group where they had all just gone on the most unbelievable ride of their lives, and he was the outlier. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do that. It's hard to transition from when you know that you are a voice that carries in a dressing room to somebody who's an outsider, and then you're you're playing a position or on a side that you're not necessarily comfortable with i think he had a Mm -hmm. lot going on and he's just clearly found a space in this team that fits for him
2: meanwhile the blues have now picked up points in nine out of ten for craig berube
6: yeah like uh, you know a lot of times you just when you simplify it dumb it down and play a hard straightforward game you have success really it's a it's not a complicated game hockey it's a simple game and when you play a simple game of hockey you give yourself a chance to win in my opinion you know limit things limit turnovers play direct make it hard on the other team and that's what we're doing right now and we're getting real good goaltending and we're getting real good team play you know real good real good mindset right now within the team about what needs to be done shift in shift out and uh Guys are doing a great job of putting the team first right now. Uh, Again, playing a real good team game.
2: Charles Lindgren, ho hum, 956 save percentage, Michelle, 1.29 goals against in his 186 minutes he started three games played four and he is both rocking and rolling
3: 4-0 with the blues I keep I I almost just said the Springfield blues again
2: (laughs) (laughs) don't you think this guy is going to prompt more gentlemen in St. Louis to grow sideburns
3: he's got an unbelievable look it's the flow it's the sideburns it's the confidence when there was that collision in the first period last night and he was adjusting his mass and he kept having to <laughs> shake his hair out to try to get the, the strap in place he's got a great look
5: i just like the look simple as that um kind of bringing back like the 70s 80s look and you know having a blast doing it. i think i look pretty good with it he looks like he could get in a fight and win easily
3: he definitely does he, and he looks like the type of guy that is wearing really tight corduroy bell bottoms that's a great call. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And he goes to the club at night like, yeah. and dances to the disco and has one arm in the air and one arm down like Studio 54.
3: Absolutely. But he's he's so cool. He's got a little Matthew McConaughey and dazed and confused. Not mm-hmm. Not that he's hanging around high school kids, but that he's just unaffected. That he's just cool and he knows it.
2: Now, a couple of notes about last night's game. Number one. The Russian guys continue to play at a really high level. Tarasenko and Bujinavicius assisting on the Pareko goal. Tarasenko and Barbashev assisting on the O'Reilly goal. Tarasenko from Barbashev and Bujinavicius on the final goal of the night. That line is really playing at a high level.
3: It is. The Russian line has been playing incredible. And stick taps, stick taps again to Vladimir Tarasenko, mm-hmm. Randy, who again continues to step up for this team when they need it. We're talking a lot about the young guys, the Springfield crew, who's come in and infused this team with points and with energy, but a lot of the veteran guys have stepped up, too, including Vladimir Tarasenko and Colton Pareko, who's been playing well. Who would
2: have thought that Vladimir Tarasenko would... We'd use the term step up in a good way for Vladimir Tarasenko on December 15th.
3: I'm honestly floored in the best way possible because Mm -hmm. I just physically did not know, after all of those surgeries and the injuries and the rehabs that he had battled through, if his body would allow him to do this. I'm so thrilled that he's able to do it, but I, I just, before the season you have to wonder what's the breaking point with the body. But clearly he got the surgery right and he's not afraid at all.
2: Now, two days off for the Blues before they welcome Dallas to town on Friday night. At the moment, the Blues in second place in the Central Division. Minnesota leads the way. They're 19-8-1 for 39 points. The Blues have 37 points with a record of 16-8-5. and 5. Colorado a point behind the Blues. Although Colorado's only played 26 games, the Blues have played 29. And then Nicheville is two behind the Blues. Winnipeg with 31.6 behind the Blues. And as Curbs mentioned at the end of the call, Blues now have a nine-point lead over the Stars.
3: Incredible that they're even in this position. And you know what, Randy? Remember last season, at at times, even later in the season, we were like, what is the identity of this Blues team? Who are they? Mm -hmm. You know, we couldn't really figure it out. And I was thinking that we might not be able to really see what this Blues team is because they haven't had their entire team together really at the same time with – time to get that chemistry and grow. This stretch where they were able to get all of these points and win these games despite everything that was thrown against them. This is a galvanizing moment in the season. This is something that helps show the identity of who you are. Great and, and when everybody is together, this is something that they're going to look back on and say, we were able to overcome and thrive during this stretch. We can do anything. I
2: hadn't thought of that. It's kind of like the 11 game winning streak, isn't it?
3: It is. It's a point that they can look to a tangible thing to say, this is, we're not going to deal with anything worse than that. And right. we were were able to overcome that.
2: A couple of other notes today. Later on, let me, let me preface this by asking Andrew Marsh, Young, Michelle Smallman, Young. When's the last time you used a fax machine?
3: Um,
4: years. And Andrew Marsh, if you saw a fax machine, do you think you'd know what it was? I think I know what it was, but I, I've never used one. <laughs> Just like I've never used a pager, yep, or a beeper, or have whatever it's used, called.
3: Have you ever used a landline?
4: I have, yeah. I had a landline when I was younger. I called it the... There was a... A cord phone and then a cordless phone. That's how I was. (laughs) Phone
2: with
3: the cord.
4: That's right.
2: Many youngsters across America today will have to get somebody to send them a fax to the schools that they're going to go to for football next year, including right across the river, Luther Burden Jr. He is going to Mizzou, and Mizzou has a top 10 class. And throughout the course of the day, we're going to actually hear uh, about a lot of the signings. And at the end of the show... 9 45 today we'll hear from the head coach of the missouri tigers eli drinkwitz about national signing day and whether or not he's gotten any faxes so far today
3: so are you serious that it has to be from a fax
2: yeah that's the ncaa at least last year i don't know if they've changed it last year that was an ncaa rule isn't that ridiculous
3: ridiculous that kind
2: of shows you where the ncaa is
3: i could take a picture of something i've signed scanned it on my phone and email it to someone and less time it would take to fax it over
2: exactly How stupid is that? It's really dumb. And we are lucky because we are living in an era where we are watching, if we watch the NBA, the greatest shooter that has ever laced up sneakers. Steph Curry last night becoming the all-time three-point shot leader. I was looking this morning, Michelle, at Larry Bird's statistics for his career. He had an average for his career of 0.7 three-pointers per game. Steph Curry averages 3.8 three-pointers per game. The biggest season that Larry Bird had for three-pointers was 1.3 per game. Steph Curry has had seasons of 5.1 three-pointers per game. Wow. Last night, he passed Ray Allen and became not only the all-time leader in three-pointers in the NBA, but he's changed the game. Nobody used to shoot 30, 35-footers. And he does it like it's nothing.
3: He's changed the game. And I love watching him play. Uh, he's me too. so fun. And obviously, that's a, a number that meant a lot to him. It's history, but he was talking about how he used to write the number on his shoes. This was a goal that he wanted to achieve, and I'm thrilled that Steph Curry is going to be the guy in the record books to hold this because he deserves it.
4: He seems like a
2: really fun guy to cover, too, a fun guy to be a fan of.
4: If you would have told me back in the day when he was making his way in that run in the NCAA tournament that he would be the guy (laughs) that would lead the NBA all-time in three-pointers, I would have been like, no way. He's just, you know, a, a Cinderella story when they yeah. almost took down Kansas to go to the final four. No way I would have thought that. Amazing.
2: Okay, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. It is Wednesday. It is hump day, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. This is a stressful time with the holidays and relationships and gift buying. And that's why we have Ask Uncle Randy on Wednesday. And if you have a question for Uncle Randy, well, feel free to text in 65780. You don't have to use a fax machine with us. You can just text in 65780. Ask Uncle Randy. Coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
7: I've been around, you know.
2: It's time for Ask Uncle Randy. I've seen a few Christmases. I've seen a few holiday seasons. If you're having any issues at all during the holiday season, well, I'm here to help. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. And Michelle already has some questions and uh, requests up on the board. What do you got, Michelle?
3: Uh, We'll start with the sports one, Randy, from the 618. Dear Uncle Randy, I'm wondering, who's the backup goalie when Huso gets healthy?
2: (laughs) Huso? That's pretty easy. I think he's earned that. Uh, yeah, he'll be the guy. So Binner will be back, maybe even against Dallas on Friday night. Husso had been so good. And as much as we love the spirit of St. Louis, as much as we love Joel Hofer, although his bonuses prevent him from being here, as much as we love John Gillies, it's going to be Ville. And in the American Hockey League, the Springfield Thunderbirds are going to have far and away the best goalie tandem in the league.
3: From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm re-entering the workforce after three years off being a stay-at-home mom. My husband's company has an opening, but I'm not sure if we should work together. Please share your infinite wisdom on my situation.
1: I
2: would say that if you're working together every day, if you're working in the same department and near each other, that is not good. Now, if you're working in the same building and you're just carpooling, but you aren't seeing each other on a regular basis during the day, that's fine. But I don't see how working together, waking up in the morning, going to work, working together, going home, having dinner, and then spending the evening together. I don't think it's healthy for any relationship in any walk of life to be together 24 hours a day. Yeah, there's Especially,
3: nowhere to escape.
2: That's the thing. If those eight hours during the work day require you to be together, in work there's going to most times be some conflict somewhere You're just not going to be in a good mood all the time so I would recommend that if you're going to be in the same department and seeing each other all the time that you look elsewhere that would be Uncle Randy's recommendation
3: unless the money is great you can't turn it down
2: yeah, but still, money can't buy happiness. And
3: that's true. One thing I don't that'll know. happen. I would really like to try one time, though.
2: It, it, it you know would what I mean? Fun. Like,
3: just give me well, the funds and let me determine that for myself.
2: I was telling somebody yesterday, until I got here, at the place I was making the most money, I was the most unhappy. Really? Yeah. Because of the people that you work with. And here's the thing you're married. So, inevitably, there's going to be uh, a day where you're. everybody in a marriage gets tired of each other. Well, you're not going to have a chance to decompress and get away and say, I need to get away from this person because you got to work with them. So my recommendation would be, unless you're at opposite sides of the building, that you uh, try to find something else.
3: Yeah. Can you imagine sitting down at the dinner table and being like, there's someone at work that's really annoying me. It's you. <laughs> it's you, honey.
2: <laughs> that's right. You're the worst. Yeah, you've got to be able to decompress from your significant other.
3: From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife and I just had our second child. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations on your second child. It's time to choose the godparents. We initially had my wife's cousin chosen. However, she's gone off the rails recently, and we're going in a different direction. How do we tell her as we know she'll be a little upset about it?
2: I would like to know how she's gone off the rails because that plays a big role for me. If it's something that is within her control, then perhaps being a godparent can be something that helps her rally if if it's something out of her control if it's something in her control that has caused her to go off the rails then just be honest it would be my suggestion and say hey we want you to be the child's godparent however we can't have you in your current state be the godparent because we know we don't know what the state is going to be two four six eight ten years down the road until you get things straightened out we would prefer to go elsewhere and that's what we're going to do so to me it comes down to whether or not your cousin is your wife's cousin controls her going off the rails or if it's out of her control i am one of those people that believes for example that alcohol abuse is a, a disease it's something that people once you start, I, I can tell you, Michelle, I, I, I have some compulsive attributes. So there's no question about it. I'm, I'm not a drinker, but some people just can't control going off the rails.
3: And if this is the person that's supposed to spiritually guide and be a, mm-hmm. uh, a strong adult figure in your child's life and you're watching them go off the rails, not exactly a, a good role you want them to assume at that moment.
2: But if it's something where being the godparent can help alleviate some of those issues then it might be a good thing and this is something that you have to discuss and you have to go to the her and say look we want you to be the godparent but you have to get straightened out because you're the godparent to our kid and maybe you can help that person get better by becoming the godparent and using that as a carrot using that as motivation
3: people helping people that's powerful stuff right From the 770, Dear Uncle Randy, the theme for gifts this year for our family is a few of my favorite things. For my wife, I was going to get her a couple of spa sessions. Does that count?
2: Absolutely, 100%. If a spa session, massage, facial, those sorts of things are among her favorite things, 100%. As a matter of fact, that's kind of a priceless gift that I think more people need to give is is the gift of relaxation now more than ever and we see it around here we see it at home stress levels are at an all-time high coming out of the pandemic and people dealing with jobs or not jobs so i would say yeah that's a great idea on your part and that might if that's her favorite thing then go for
3: it i don't think that you could go wrong getting no. a couple spa sessions from the 618 Darren uncle randy with all of the college bowl games why doesn't st louis host one
2: well we have tried in the past and what you need is a sponsor i think we should i think that if detroit can host a bowl game then i think we could i don't know i know that the sports commission has shown interest in the past and there are so many it just makes sense for us to have one i don't know why we we could have the arch bowl
3: and you know that st louis would do a great job in hosting said bowl oh
2: no doubt about it i don't know if the ncaa and I don't even know if it matters anymore because they really don't have any say over college football. But for example, if we wanted to have a Bud Bowl at the Dome every year. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? That
3: would be awesome. That would be so fun. Yeah. Okay, from the 314, two more, Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife says that she doesn't want anything for Christmas this year. Am I wrong in thinking this is a trap and I actually have to get her something?
2: Total trap. It's Christmas. Yeah, and she might say I don't want anything at the very least stop by and go to a, a real store you know i get you can go to amazon or whatever it's fine you still have i think time but pick her up her favorite perfume uh pick her up a gift card at a shoe store you never go wrong with women in shoes can you michelle no no you, can't. you never so yeah make sure that she gets something and even like little get her a couple things if she doesn't have a stocking Get her some scratch offs. Just make sure that, yeah, she's taken care of with something.
3: I am a big fan of a sentimental or a personal gift. So maybe you could do something where you write her a letter on why she mm-hmm. means so much to you. Or that if you guys have done something special, a vacation or something this year, you could take a picture that you like and get it framed. Something small, yeah. but sentimental.
2: Great idea. I can just, I, I can tell you this she doesn't get anything, you don't get anything. Hint, hint. <laughs> I'm just saying.
3: Oh, man. From the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, whatever happened to the guy who wanted to date the sister? Tell him to give an update. Signed, the city of St. Louis. And you're in luck, 314, (laughs) because our friend with the sister issues finally texted in. We got an update. I like this. So from the 573, Uncle Randy and Michelle, I'm the guy that liked my friend's sister and ended up with her sister. And they uh, both liked me
2: okay so friends it was your girlfriend's sister
3: no just it was a friend that wanted more with him yeah, exactly right and he was into her sister yeah. okay it says i took your advice randy and got a buddy of mine to take the pressure off with the original sister and they're actually an item now and me and my girl her sister are gonna spend the holidays in branson with them thank you for the yolo advice michelle and uncle randy for getting the friend to like her merry christmas you guys that
2: was michelle's idea so congratulations to you michelle you were the of the thought that hey provide a distraction and the distraction showed up and it worked
3: that's all great. i said was Jolo if you yeah. like the sister life is too short tell her how you yeah. feel
2: i she- said it would never work because of the fact that she had feelings for you but clearly they weren't that strong and that's a good thing
3: and happy holidays in branson
2: yeah right that'll be a <laughs> great time good i'm proud of you and thanks for taking our advice and thanks for tuning in to uh, ask uncle randy on 101 espn next up We've got some NFL news and notes for you with Character and Smallman on 101
1: ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: NFL news and notes. Michelle, you remember after the 2013 season when St. Louis Ram offensive lineman roger saffold signed with the raiders and failed their physical because of a bad shoulder
3: i do i do remember that
2: here we are in 2021 he's still playing he's a member of the tennessee titans and he said that he's going to have to manage an ongoing nerve issue in his shoulder he told 105 45 the zone in nashville yesterday that the injury requires ongoing management and will continue to force him to the sidelines after taking certain types of hits it's a nerve issue for saffold Man, I give him credit for still playing, for being out there.
3: So do I. I. Of all the former St. Louis Rams that were out there, I would not think that Roger Saffle would still be playing.
2: No, it's pretty remarkable. And playing for a good team, he, he's a big part of why their running game is so good. So hopefully he can, uh, he can keep playing. He was one of the good St. Louis guys.
3: I was just thinking that, that he was always such a nice guy. He was one of those guys kind of in the Chris Long, James Laurinaitis um, sector of the Rams that never made excuses, that was always available to the media, even when things were really bad. Always really liked Roger Saffold.
2: Michelle, you were thrilled to hear this morning when you walked in that O.J. Simpson, former NFL player and a pro football Hall of Famer, is now a completely free man. He has completed his parole, and now he can do whatever he wants. He can go wherever he wants. He can kill whoever he wants.
3: Randy! Randy! Right. Huh. And when we say I was thrilled about OJ being free, I think okay, I was surprise was maybe the okay. more appropriate term. I wouldn't say I was thrilled that OJ's free. I think
2: we all strive for freedom and he's free. And it, by the way, allegedly killed
3: somebody. Andrew?
4: I mean, I don't have anything to say. Oh, I'm just laughing. You pulled your mic down. I it's thought you had something sharp to say. Guy. Uh, Randy. No, it's just oh,
3: <laughs> the sharp guy.
2: Randy's OJ. at it again.
3: People are dead, Randy.
2: <laughs> you know. Uh, who would have thought that in 2021 pro football of flame 74 years old and people are losing their heads over this guy okay. passing through his pearl
3: randy enough <laughs> <laughs> you know what save it for the crossover with dan okay
2: oh okay we'll do that
3: <laughs> but oj free what a world we live in
2: oh man you america yeah <laughs> all right the washington post reporting allegations of interference by Dan Snyder into the investigation into him and workplace conduct within the Washington organization did
1: I say did I say redskins no
2: Okay, good. I think Washington. you just said Washington. Okay, good. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform are among those who have noticed that maybe Dan Snyder was trying to protect himself by interfering in the NFL's investigation into his team.
3: Wait, you mean to tell me that the owner that was investigated for potentially shady behavior and inappropriate behavior during that investigation might have done, done something shady and inappropriate to protect himself? Shocking, Is I know. Is this what you're telling me? I can't believe it. Yeah, so he he allegedly, Dan Steiner, tried, and this is according to the Washington Post, who did great reporting here, that there was a, a 2009 allegation accusing him of sexual misconduct and that he tried to prevent the woman accusing him of sexual misconduct from speaking with D.C. attorney Beth Wilkinson as part of her investigation into the franchise. Is there anything that points to your guilt more that you're trying to stop a woman from talking about something that you allegedly did to her? If you didn't do anything, then why are you worried about it so much?
2: Right. And now you've got Congress taking a look at it, which is a good thing. If you are introduced to one of the 32 NFL owners or one of the owners of the 32 NFL teams, because there are several teams, giants among them, that have multiple owners. If you are introduced to one of the owners as... Okay, uh, Michelle, this is uh, George McCaskey, the owner of the Bears. Are you jaded enough to think, this is a scoundrel? Uh, If they're an NFL owner, doesn't matter who it is, Hmm. I am just going to automatically assume that they're a scoundrel.
3: Well, I think sitting here in St. Louis, we might.
2: That's why I say we're jaded. Yeah,
3: given what's happened to our city at the hands of these people. But I, I, I don't know, I just kind of assume that all owners in any professional sports league are going to be out of touch and are going to be someone that I can't really connect with, or that I don't really understand how they operate and vice versa.
2: They don't think the rules apply to them.
3: No, they they cannot understand what it's like for fans. They can't understand what it's like in our world, just Mm -hmm. like I can't understand what it's like in their world. It's all relative.
2: The Chiefs play at Los Angeles against the Chargers tomorrow night. The Chiefs' best defensive player, Chris Jones, on COVID. Odell Beckham Jr., on COVID. 75 players have tested positive since the weekend in the NFL
3: this is an outbreak. This is a problem. And I'm interested to see what the league is going to do about this, because you might remember that Roger Goodell laid down that zero tolerance policy in the offseason when he was talking about outbreaks inside teams, saying that the games aren't going to be moved outside of the TV slots. So whatever is going to happen, you're still going to have to play the game and that teams might have to incur fines and forfeiture if they're unable to play due to this spread. I don't think he anticipated that we would see an outbreak of this magnitude, especially now that a lot of players were vaccinated so it's gonna be interesting to see how the league handles this
2: and one other note if you haven't seen it on Twitter yet go to the throw by Justin Herbert over the weekend 63.7 yards a perfect strike Michelle do you think that you and I especially with the Chargers on national TV tomorrow night could we become smitten enough with Justin Herbert that he is the backler?
3: I'm almost there Randy I love Justin Herbert. I'm almost there. Now, will he take over the spot in my heart that Tom Brady has? And, and again, we're going for the back We're trying to find the perfect quarterback. And obviously, if you're trying to find the perfect quarterback, I don't know if you can find a prototype better than Tom Brady. He is He is the prototype. Mm-hmm. However, Justin Herbert is shooting up the charts when it comes to back alert love. It's, it's not only the way he carries himself and the beautiful pass— Which made me gasp, by the way. That's Mm -hmm. a wow type of pass. But he just seems to have every characteristic needed to be a great franchise quarterback and a guy that's going to be doing this for a long time.
2: There is a person on... Well, there's a lot of people on Twitter. But there is a person on Twitter. uh, She calls herself a girl with no face.
3: Oh, Ari Stark.
2: And she's put on some nsfw pictures on her twitter page how
3: do you find this stuff
2: and she tweets to uh, justin herbert dear justin herbert if you're reading this i will blank you offering herself up as it were
3: there's a lot of things that could be filled in that blank
2: yeah but this is offering herself up for his pleasure
3: did he reply
2: no not yet and people are (laughs) complaining yet (laughs) well people are complaining about it because they're saying hey she could mess him up
3: well, yeah, I'm sure he's got options. Maybe he oh, even as a girlfriend. You think? Maybe he even as a girlfriend. Yeah,
2: but Who knows? She, she doesn't show her face. But a lot of people think she doesn't need to. <laughs> Randy,
3: <laughs> how do you find this stuff? I'm just saying. And honestly, people are worried about this woman tweeting him. I don't know if Justin Herbert's on Instagram. I guarantee all he has to do is open his DMs, and it's yeah. that times a hundred. Well,
2: and by the way, she claims that her DMs are open for for Justin.
3: Just Justin.
2: No, I think a lot of people. Okay. All right. Those are your NFL news and notes and other things on 101 <laughs> ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I don't even have that for Take It or Leave It Now on 101 <laughs> ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Take it
2: Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Feel free to send us uh, an OJ joke if you want. We've got a few on the text line already and we'll get to those as we go along here. 65780 Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, Randy, and Andrew. Michelle.
3: Uh, Before we get into some Tiolis, Randy, there's a question on the text line I would like to post to you.
2: I will Um, absolutely answer it.
3: From the 636, can you start a segment called Randy Graham or Insta Randy where Randy gives us a rundown on what's popping on the gram? I think you do that throughout the show, whether it's Scooty Booty or uh, what you just told Told us about Justin Herbert. Girl book. with no face. Yeah. People need to follow you on Instagram, though. That's what it, this really needs oh, to yeah. be. Is Both you of need, us. You need to just see what Randy's doing on Instagram. So follow him on. Uh, Ra- uh, you tell him your handle. It's uh, Randy uh, Character. Uh, R.J. Carricker. It's R.J.
2: Character, and you are M. Smallman on the Insta. So
3: you're on Twitter, Randy Character, on Correct. Instagram, R.J. Character. Right. Got it. Yeah. I, follow I, Randy.
2: I, I I follow the racy stuff, so maybe we can do a, a little. Maybe I'll I'll be a little bit more. Uh, uh, I'll give a little bit more information about what's happened uh, on the Insta and on the Twitter. People want to know. Yeah. Michelle, Russell Wilson's people have floated Denver, New Orleans, and the Giants as possible trade destinations after this season. But another team that's a quarterback away from a Super Bowl appearance appears to be the Washington football team. Good defense, pretty good offensive line, good running game. Terry McLaurin and Adam Humphreys are good receivers. And Wilson grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Take it or leave it. The football team is the best destination to let Russ cook.
3: Interesting. It's not on his list, but I couldn't. I could see him wanting to go back to the area he grew up in, and Sierra might want to rub elbows with some politicos. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't hate that, Randy. I don't hate that. I might have to take it.
2: He could change the dynamic of the franchise. He, they but does need, he
3: want to work for Dan Snyder?
2: Well. Allegedly, Dan Snyder isn't in charge anymore. His wife is, right? But he's
3: still tied to the organization.
2: But he can also maybe change the dynamic of the way that organization is viewed. Mm -hmm. Because is there a greater politician in the NFL than Russell Wilson? Um, In in Washington, D.C.?
3: The thing about Russ is it's a little, I mean, he's... Not trying to hide his phoniness, does that make sense? Yeah, the yep. gohawks. Right. you know he he doesn't he makes no bones about the fact that he is presenting himself as Russell Wilson, the brand, not right. Russell Wilson the person at all times, right. So I'm with that,
2: and they thought they had that in r g three, but r g three was young and it wasn't accomplished. You get a guy that's won a Super Bowl and goes in there as a brand. I think they fall in love with him.
3: Are you kidding? I think they would love it, yeah. They've been through a lot, Washington football fans. They
2: have a lot.
3: A lot. Randy, I'm thinking about baseball. I'm just so upset that we're we're not talking about matchups and spring training. It just stinks that we're in this lockout. So I want to look forward to some things that we're going to be excited about in the upcoming season. Obviously, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina returning for what's likely their final season. When you look at games started by battery mates, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are now fourth on the list at 305. The record is 324, Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand. Take it or leave it. Not only do Bueno and Yachty break the record, their record is never broken.
2: I will take it, yes, that they'll be able to get... To, the record is 324. Four. 324, so they need 20. Yeah, I'll take it there. We're going to play enough games that they get 20 starts together and there is absolutely zero chance, less chance than there was of the Cardinals making the playoffs on September 1st of Wayno and Yachty having that record broken because no two players will e- no p- pitcher and catcher will ever stay together that long. And we're going to a six man rotation sooner rather than later. Nobody's going to last that long and be together that long.
3: Yeah, the the odds of not only two players playing for the same franchise for that duration, and both of them staying healthy for the same mm-hmm. time, and being great enough to do it, it's just never going to happen. If they if they break the record, I think it's theirs forever. Right.
2: And think about the fact that Wayno missed the entire 2011 season and only made I think six starts or five in 2015. So he's lost, well, and he had another year where he only made like 11 starts. He's probably lost 50, 70 starts because of
4: injury.
3: Wow. And they're still at 305.
4: Amazing. All right, Andrew, what do you got on the text line? Yes, from the 636, take it or leave it. Ali Marmol wins manager of the year within his first three years as manager. Take it.
3: I'll take that for sure. The yeah. Cardinals will be good. He He will likely do a good job. It's a yeah. good story. You yeah. get
4: it. Uh, by the way, this
2: one from the six one eight, wonder how long it took OJ to cut through all that red tape to get Yay. free.
4: There's another one on here that this <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there. Those though. are your people, Randy. I'll let Randy read the tax line for those jokes, but uh take it or leave it, six one eight. At this point of the season, can't worry about players' feelings. Walker Brown stay in, Neil and Coston stay out when able to return. Also, sorry, Huso, Lucky Lindgren, back up for time being. I'm going to leave that.
3: Which part? There was a lot there.
2: There, there was no. I, I don't think. I think Logan Brown might stay. I don't. I, I love Nathan Walker and what he's done so far. I don't think that he stays here for the long term once everybody's healthy. And I also don't think that. Husso will be displaced as the backup. The, the Blues view Ville Husso as a potential number one goalie. He was ahead of Bennington on the depth chart in 2018-2019 before he got hurt. So because of the fact that they look at him that way and they uh, they had Charlie Lindgren playing at Springfield this year, I don't think that'll change.
3: And huso is playing well.
2: Yeah, really well.
3: You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like right. he's done anything to lose his spot. But this is a classic case of what have you done for me lately.
2: Yeah, and Charlie, Spirit of St. Louis.
3: Chucky Sideburns, man.
2: He's got a lot of nicknames already for
3: 4-0. He does.
2: Hey, the, the Stash Bros. Lucky Lindy. The Stash Brothers. I love that. It's like the Bash Brothers, but yep. of course it's with Justin Falk. The this, thing one, with, this one from the 314, by the way. Uh, the news over OJ being done with parole will die out. Just kill the story.
3: Okay, all right. Back to the Stash Brothers. Andrew, I love that nickname, and I think that that needs to take off stash bros don't you like that randy i like that a lot not the bash bros but the stash bros
4: all right from the 618 take it or leave it charlie Lindgren is the new kurt warner of the nhl i'll take it
3: (laughs) it's been four games
2: (laughs) well kurt had four games and he got a who is this guy on sports illustrated
3: yeah, but four games in the NFL was completely different than four four games in the NFL. Yeah. Actually I think NFL in, NHL, excuse me.
2: I think Kurt's fourth game was the uh snapping of the streak against San Francisco. Third game was the one in Cincinnati where he got the SI cover. Third game? Yeah. Who so,
3: is this guy? It was great one cover. Of the, one of
2: the all time great covers.
3: What if he would have gotten that cover and then been awful the rest of the season? Oh man. You know, that's a risk that early in the season. Yeah. Putting Kurt Warner on the cover. Yeah.
2: It worked out, didn't it? It did. It worked out well.
3: It worked out well.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. You got it. Hold on. Let me see if we can find one more. Uh, let's see if we have any. Uh, you people with your OJ jokes are very, very funny, and I really do appreciate you. Uh, let's see. <laughs> From the 314. I hope OJ cuts out your backler segment. So,
6: hmm.
3: Not going to happen.
2: <laughs> nope, it's not. And we might have a surprise winner. You never know. All right. Thanks for your text, 65780. And coming up next, we will provide today's fresh take. Baseball has changed a lot, hasn't it? We're going to tell you how it's changed over time and how it could have been different historically if analytics would have kicked in 30 years ago. That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
2: It is 8.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Michelle, yesterday we talked to Ozzie Smith. And by the way, you can go to OzzieandFriends.com. For the 40th anniversary of the St. Louis Cardinals World Championship of 1982, Ozzie is going to get together the best defensive infield of all time. They played on that team. Ken Oberkfell, Ozzie, Tom Hurt, Keith Hernandez. February 17th at Ballpark Village. You can get tickets at ozzieandfriends.com. But that led us into a conversation yesterday with Dan, wondering if Ozzie who was 5'11 and 150 pounds when he got traded to the Cardinals, would be a guy that baseball would even consider now, a guy that doesn't hit for power, a guy that is primarily a good defensive player, with the fact that baseball is a slugging game with the shift now. Yeah, the shift is huge. Would a guy like Ozzie Smith be thought of as necessary by Major League Baseball? Would he even be drafted these days and by the way he was drafted by the Padres in the fourth round in 1977 I'm wondering if he would and I have talked to maybe a dozen people in baseball right now whether it's people that are in organizations in minor leagues scouts coaches and I, I love to ask this question and it is universally he would not. I ask about Greg Maddox. I say, if Greg Maddox were in a draft right now throwing 93-94 with his size, which was about 6'1", 75, would Greg Maddox get drafted? And to a man, 100%, they say, no chance that Greg Maddox would be drafted now.
3: How is that possible?
2: Because it's all about velocity and you it's all about size. You've got to be six foot one 195 pounds preferably six five and 220 and you've got to throw 98 99 100 miles an hour whether you're in high school or in college and the play, the guys that are 6 one, 175 that are throwing 94 they're getting drafted
3: and isn't that a shame and isn't that part of the thing that we miss about baseball is more of the eye test and looking at a player and seeing their athleticism and what they bring to the table and how you can build something around them rather than having the sheet in front of you and the equation already spelled out and looking for somebody that you can plug into the equation?
2: It's unbelievable to me that scouting has become such a sidebar in the game. And I believe, and I've mentioned this before, Bill DeWitt Jr. asks his people every day, what is our competitive advantage on a daily basis what do we do better than anybody else here's what I would do if I were the Cardinals and I understand that they've gone all analytics and they like the fact Cardinals used to pride themselves on having more minor league teams and more potential players than anybody else to develop Mm -hmm. now they like the fact that the minor leagues have been contracted and that they draft fewer players than they ever have because they think the analytics are the be-all and end-all in terms of evaluating players what I would do if I ran a major league team is I would get all these unemployed scouts and I would scour the country for productive players that had ability like Greg Maddox like Ozzy Smith and then when the draft is over you assign free agents that go undrafted because people don't care about them anymore and you just get winning ball players and play get people that can play winning baseball for you
3: isn't that why we love sports is we like to watch athletic people be great at something yeah. that we can't do and it's just a shame. I mean, a- analytics have have changed baseball in so many ways, but it's a shame that you could look at someone like Ozzie Smith, who ends up being one of the best that the game has ever seen or maybe the best in his position, and that right now there wouldn't be a place in the game for him or that people might not view him as a young player and the manner in which they did back then. That's that's bad for baseball. If you're looking at somebody like Ozzy Smith and you're thinking he doesn't fit the prototype.
2: Yeah. Well, and there are so many examples Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols was, uh, I I talked to a Giants scout who was scouting this part of the country, he was scouting in Kansas City, and he said, I I was sitting in, uh, watching a game with him in spring training one year, and he said, I took him off our board. He said, to me, in college, he looked like that fat bastard from the Austin Powers movie.' What? He said, credit to the Cardinals, somebody saw that swing, and they took him, obviously in the 13th round. Nobody would take Albert Pujols in a draft right now. Think about that. Yeah.
3: That his career could have never happened.
2: No. Right. And there are, we're looking for the big, strong athlete that does everything right, that's in great shape, rather than finding a player that we can mold and turn into a player.
3: Now, things are cyclical, right? And certain things come back and any walk of life i wonder who's going to be the organization to say you know what we're going to take a step back from analytics we're going to still utilize them in certain ways but we're going to go back to using more of the eye test and having someone who is a manager who is a baseball guy that has a gut feel about players and instead of trusting just what is presented as the likely outcome on a sheet of paper we're going to let our manager manage the game I wonder who's the organization that's going to be brave enough to say, we're going to take a step back from the numbers here.
2: It's the White Sox.
3: With Tony Larissa. (laughs)
2: Right. But is there an organization that is going to be, especially now with the draft, and I believe the draft is going to be 20 rounds going forward. Is it going to be worthwhile to spend the money to pay scouts, to have them travel around, to stay in cheap hotels, to look for great baseball players? Because now you've got video and you've got the numbers, so you can find out. You you know what the spin rate is of that pitcher from LSU. You know what his velocity is. You know what his size is. You don't even have to have anybody go look at him. All you have to do is take the numbers that you have and crunch them, and then you put, you put them into the computer, and the pitcher from LSU is number one. The pitcher from Mississippi State is number two. The pitcher from... Nebraska is number three. That's the way scouting is done now. Rather than getting a group of 10 scouts together that have all been out looking at players and one of them saying, well, that guy does throw 95 and he's got a great spin rate. But you know what? When he gets behind in a count two and one, his hands start shaking. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to see. Sometimes you need to see if a guy, uh, Tony always talked about it, the stomach. Does he have the stomach to compete at the highest level?
3: I was listening to a podcast and Joe Torrey was talking about David Cohn being in a jam in a World Series and he he it was a, the Talking Yanks podcast I believe I was seeing this on social media I believe yesterday and he was saying that he left him in because he trusted him in that moment even though he was in a jam in the World Series and probably today any number would have said don't leave him in this is not going to the outcome is not yep. going to be desirable but he knew him as a person and said he always found a way to get it done and I believed in him so I kept in it kept him in and it worked out
2: here's another joe tory example and that's i love that example and th- this is in part because i have a relationship with joe uh but when he first of all i don't think that a, a pitcher with only one pitch would be brought up to the majors these days like mariano rivera who only threw the cutter and broke a bunch of bats i don't think he'd be called up but here's another part of it is that mariano rivera Became the closer for the Yankees in 1997. They win the World Series with John Wetland in 96. Rivera's the setup guy. Joe puts him in as the closer to start 1997. And I believe he blew three out of his first six saves in bad fashion. And Torrey, whereas a lot of baseball people would say, oh, he, they'd make that quick judgment. He's got one pitch. He's not going to be our closer. He can't do it. Torrey brings Rivera into his office and says, look, I don't have anybody else. You're my closer. And... I'm not going to deviate from you being my closer. He knew the guy. He knew that Joe's great line was Tony said they're men, not machines. Joe said the game has a heartbeat and he knew of that player's heart. So he plugs him in and then Rivera goes on to reel off like 24 saves in a row after that little get together with Joe Torre, And I think that's, something that every organization and the smartest organizations should take note of is that the game does have a heartbeat
3: i mean probably the most famous example here in st louis is david freeze struggling in the postseason Bingo. and mark mcguire watching him knowing him as a guy and calling up tony la Russa and saying stick with him something's about to happen with him he's about to yeah. break through and then he goes out and becomes a world series mvp and a hometown hero baby
2: yeah baseball i, I love watching the games but I think a logical person can watch what's happening in baseball and say, something's not right here. There are, there are ways to win because people are always talking about baseball inefficiencies. I think the inefficiency now is that they've gone so far towards finding the inefficiencies financially that they've c- completely gotten away from the flesh and blood
3: but if you're in that position and you're in the front office and from the from the minute you get a job like that you're usually on the hot seat usually Mm -hmm. that's what's happened in sports now whether it's a a gm or a managerial job or a college football job you usually have about three years to get it done so from the second you get in there the clock is ticking and if someone brings you numbers and tells you we have looked at this from every angle this is the likely path for us to have the maximum amount of success and you can do it while saving x amount of dollars even if you have people around you who have been in the game for a long time and are saying i don't know the numbers might bear this out but i kind of believe in this guy over this guy it talk about having a stomach if you're in the front office it takes major guts to go against the likely outcome knowing that your job is probably on the line if you don't win
2: you're 100 percent correct and we aren't going back to the way it used to be because of what you just said. The financial aspect of this is a big part of it. And the, the analytics people, hey, they have taken over. I'm sure there's Cardinals analytics people driving down to the ballpark right now, rolling their eyes saying, Randy, no, this is all about analytics and this is what works. And I'm just saying, I watched a lot of ball under Whitey Herzog and under Joe Torre and under Tony La Russa, And there are other ways to win.
3: But we we'll, we probably won't see those ways anymore.
2: No, no, there are, we, we will not. No doubt about it. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the amazing blues keep rolling. We're going to talk about it with Hall of Famer Bernie Federco. He's next on 101
1: ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis blues as we head into the blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland and St. Peter's and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
2: Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and Hall of Famer Bernie Federco joins us as he does every hump day, every Wednesday here on 101 ESPN. Another remarkable victory by the Blues last night in Dallas. They snapped Dallas' nine-game home unbeaten string and the Blues now in second place in the Central Division. Bernie, good to have you with us. Good morning. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks, Randy. I'll
2: tell you what, I... I I would not have expected with all of the injuries and all the illnesses and all of the Springfield guys up here that the Blues would have this level of success. Is there any surprise for you?
0: Oh, of course. I think there's always surprise. I mean, uh, you're not sure what you have. I mean, even though that we know that there's a lot of depth in the organization, you just don't know how good the, you know, the young kids are going to uh, perform when they get the opportunity. But it seems that they have not missed a beat. I mean, everybody that's come up is – has really contributed. Everybody has kind of done their job. And you know what? You're auditioning every time, I guess, when you come up. And, and certainly the additions have been very, very good.
3: Uh, Bertie, one of those additions who's been performing well is Charlie Lindgren. He's now 4 0. Oh, I believe he's allowed three goals in four games. What are you seeing out of uh, Chucky Sideburns, as Darren Pang calls him? <laughs>
0: yeah. You know what? Uh, he's been very aggressive and you know what I, the one thing michelle about him is that he's very confident and, and i think that uh, you know that's one trade in the goaltender i think that you have to have i mean uh, a lot of goalies are uh, you know will will be very confident really you don't really see it because they don't really have the personality that that wants to talk about it but i think when you listen to what he has to say uh right from the start he said that hey he he knows that he can play at this level he knows uh, that he's had the opportunity before he, he just didn't last long enough so uh, he's been absolutely great. I mean, last night he was aggressive. I mean, uh, to make what thirty-three saves last night, and and you know some of them were tough ones. So uh, the team is really playing well in front of him, though I will say that too. I mean, I think that last night was one of the team, one of the games that that I thought that the Blues checked. Uh, maybe the best they have all season long,
2: Bernie. Obviously, we need more of a sample size. But has there been a young player that's come up where you see the skill set and you say, "That's a guy that could stick in the NHL"? Among the group that the Blues have brought up.
0: Well, I think when you see what Nathan Walker has done, and I and I think that everybody has really liked the way Walker has played every time he's come up. I mean, I think this is the third or fourth time that we've seen him in the last couple of years now, and. Um, you know for him to be just uh, I mean he plays fast and I think uh, you know he's got that personality he's got that Australian accent <laughs> I think every, everything about him that you really really like and, and when you listen to his story you know being born in the UK over in Wales and then moving to Australia and then moving to Czech Republic to to play hockey because he didn't have enough uh, competition in Australia so I mean the story is fantastic you know his wife was and little girl were in Australia because the lockdown last year. He was, you know, uh, in America by himself. So, I mean, all these things are great. And you know what? It is a small sample size. He's not a big guy, uh, but he plays fast. So, I mean, uh, you know, if there's no room for him here, I hope that, you know, I always say with any of these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're if they played in the minors for a few years and if, and if they come up, and when they get sent down, they have to pass through waivers, and you hope that they've, well, their audition has been good enough that that maybe they get an opportunity to go somewhere else. Although we'd love to. You know, we'd, we'd hate to see him him leave somewhere else, but I think he, everybody wants to play in the NHL. You don't want to play in the in the minor leagues, and, and I think when you get the opportunity, you get a taste. You want to stay. So uh, every one of them has, has been really good. I mean, I like the way Dakota, Dakota Joshua plays. Uh, he's steady. He's not flashy by any means. So uh, you need all kinds. I mean, it t- it takes all kinds of different talent and and traits to play in in the league. And you know, you got four different lines that have to do four different things. So. Uh, there's a lot of good skill and we'll see what happens
3: let's talk about one of those lines burning the russian line which has certainly had a lot of success for the blues during this stretch what do you see with those players why are they clicking the way that they are
0: well they're all very skilled i mean i think that's one thing about them is that uh, when you're skilled players uh i mean and they speak the same language and i think that that says a lot about it i think they they well you know they get together before some of the face offs and there's the little conversation that goes on and and i'm sure no one else understands it because it's all in russian so uh but they it's the skill i mean they they have to they seem to find that that you know that sixth sense that they uh because of the way they they played is that they can dish pucks off without even looking because they expect someone to be in that in that spot because uh, i mean it's second nature to go to some certain areas on the ice and i think that they've got to read on that so uh they've been very good they've been very smooth and Uh, they get plenty of chance. In fact, I think that they overpass it some of the times. If they shot the puck more, they might score even even score more goals. But uh, uh, they've been fun to watch. And uh, really, I mean, you guys just talked about it. I mean, to to have, you know, no Cairo, no Perron, no Shen, uh, no Thomas. I mean, that's a lot of the offense that's out of the lineup. uh, And they still, you know, find ways to win.
2: Bernie, you've played on some lines with great chemistry, whether it was yourself with uh, Brian and Bourbonnais when you guys came up, that kid line, or the 1980-81 the line with Federko, Babich, and Sutter. Is the chemistry developed in a line like that, And like I think we're seeing with the Russians right now? Is that just natural, or is that something that you guys had to work on?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think there's you know something natural that does happen. I mean, you just hit it off, and uh, and I think you just hit it off not only you know on the ice but off the ice as well. And I think that always helps. But uh, it, it you know what the longer you play with with uh, you know another with your line mates, I think the more comfortable you become, and you you kind of, you find, kind of find what their tendencies are. And once you know that, then then you really you know really adjust your game, or don't even have to adjust your game the way they play. And I think everybody brings you know, a certain trait to, to the to the line. And uh, if everybody kind of has a little role that's kind of a little different, it's always a little bit better as long as you know what his role is and your role is and the third man's role is, then then you kind of got it uh, all in tune. So I think you're fighting that with more and more. And I think we see that. I mean, I, I think with Craig Groovy, what he's done is he's always kind of kept two players together. And then if he was going to mix something up, it would be he'd throw a third player. I mean, we've always seen O'Reilly and Perron together. Um, you know, for the most part, we, we saw you know a lot of Shannon Tarasenko. Um, you know, even now, even this year, we saw a lot of Thomas and Tarasenko, and, and then and then it was kind of somebody else marked in. So uh, it's it's interesting to watch, and, and it it is. It's it's once you develop that chemistry, uh, it's certainly a, a lot easier to play with each other.
2: Last thing for the Hall of Famer Bernie Federko, and you mentioned the name of Craig Berube. What's your impression of uh, the job that he and his staff are doing under these circumstances?
0: Uh, they've been absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, you, you go back to their Stanley Cup winning year, they they did just an, an unbelievable job. And I think through all this, and I, I think that this is probably the hardest that all the coaches have worked in, in the league. I mean, there's so many uh, injuries, there's so much COVID that's going on that uh, they've had to do a lot of adjusting. But I, I think that, you know, Steve Ott has done a great job with the Blues power play. Uh, you know, Jim Montgomery's done a great job with the Blues penalty killing him. And of course, Chief, uh, is in charge of everything, and, and uh, I think that the adjustments is he's made. And Mike Van Ryan does a great job with the defense. So everybody, again, just like uh, the you know the forwards of the defense, everybody's got a job to do. Uh, and Chief makes sure that everybody gets it done. And, and uh, you know the assistants have been great, and I think the Chiefs' overall game has been absolutely outstanding.
2: Bernie, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much, and we will be tuned in this weekend on Bally for your next activity with Bally Sports. Have a great day.
0: Sounds good, Randy and Michelle. You guys have a great day as well.
2: Thank you. That is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, with us on 101 ESPN. By the way, the Friday night game... For the Blues will not be on local TV. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN and that's one of those ESPN plus Hulu games mm. against the Stars on Friday night and then the Blues will head to Winnipeg. And they'll play at Winnipeg on Sunday night, at Ottawa on Wednesday night and then on the 23rd they're at Toronto or actually at 23rd it's an afternoon game. One in the afternoon on the 23rd you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN right before Christmas. So what you need to know is that you can find the Blues free right here on 101 ESPN on Friday night. Every game. Yep, 6 o'clock pregame between the Blues and the Stars. 7 o'clock with the faceoff, Curbs and Joey will have the call. Next up,
1: The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on character and Smallman. Joe Listener and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker.
3: It's time for the fight on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Andrew, Randy has won three fights in a row. Is that correct?
4: That is correct.
3: Three in a row for Randy. Dan. Is his competition this morning can Dan stop him in his tracks we're about to find out good morning Dan good
5: morning Michelle how are you doing today
3: I'm wonderful thank you for asking how's your day been so far anything exciting
1: not too much on my way to work looking forward to taking down Randy
3: love that confidence and I'm gonna do my best Danny Mac what do you do for a living Uh, I'm a banker oh very cool all right Dan the banker can he take down Randy question number one for you Dan Who holds the all-time record for most managerial ejections in Major League Baseball? Is it John McGraw, Earl Weaver, or Bobby Cox?
1: Uh, Earl Weaver.
4: Question number two. Charlie Lindgren is the second goalie in Blues history to win each of his first four games with the Blues. Who was the first? Was it Jordan Bennington, Grant Fuhrer, or Ryan Miller?
6: Uh...
1: We'll go binner.
3: question number three for Dan who is the all-time NFL single season leader in rushing yards is it Adrian Peterson OJ Simpson or Eric Dickerson
6: Uh,
1: Eric Dickerson
4: question number four what Milwaukee Brewer player did Bruce Sutter set down on strikes to win the World Series in 1982 was it Paul Molitor Gorman Thomas or Cecil Cooper
1: Gorman
3: Thomas. All right. Checking our score here. Waving in Mr. Carricker. Dan, how do you feel? You said you were going to beat Randy today. Do you still feel as confident now?
1: Um, I'm okay. We'll see how it goes.
3: Just okay?
7: Yeah, just okay. We'll <laughs> I think Randy's going to know a lot
3: of these. Okay, Dan, uh, or excuse me, Randy, please say good morning to Dan.
7: Dan,
2: good morning. How are you
7: doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How
2: are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Appreciate you listening and appreciate you playing today
3: thanks Randy, are you ready?
2: Uh, yes, I'm ready.
3: You're looking at your phone, Randy. I need you to not have oh. any sort of device that could be considered contraband. I'm, texting.
2: I'm trying to get you a charger for your computer. Thank I apologize. You.
3: No, I appreciate that but you know we can't have a justice for Dan type situation. Oh, Okay here. You, you know got we it. need it. sure everything to be above board, right? I think
4: Randy's just looking at Instagram right now. That's right. Are you yeah. checking in on Scooty Booty? He's checking the hot goss. with no face, yeah. <laughs> the no hot goss girl. on the No, gram. Randy, that's Twitter.
3: <laughs> that's true. That is Twitter. Okay, back to the fight. Yes. Randy, who holds the all-time record for most managerial ejections in Major League Baseball?
4: Bobby Cox does. Randy, Charlie Lindgren is the second goalie in Blues history to win each of his first four games with the Blues. Who was the first? Uh,
2: Won his first four games with the Blues. So
4: games or starts? Games. Okay. I remember Um, this time to make sure we got that one. Nice. Okay. I still think... I I still...
3: He'll think
2: I'm gonna go binner
3: Oops. as I knock my microphone over here. Question number three, Mr. Carricker, who is mm-hmm. the all time NFL single season leader in rushing yards?
2: Single season leader,
3: all time NFL single season leader in rushing yards.
2: Is it 2,105 yards? Rainy, you should ask for the uh, the lifeline on oh, yeah. this
4: one. Oh.
2: <laughs> no, never <laughs> Who's yeah. the person, Randy? Nobody has surpassed Eric
4: Dickerson's 2,105.
3: We'll tell him. We'll tell him, Andrew, at the end.
4: <laughs> okay. Randy, what Milwaukee Brewer player did Bruce Suter set down on strikes to win the World Series in 1982? Uh, Gorman Thomas with an
2: 87-mile-an-hour high fastball.
3: Did Dan the banker take down Randy the broadcaster? Andrew, let him know
1: winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Character. Brought
3: to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. <laughs> Dan, you're really close. You got two correct. Randy got three correct. And it was actually question number one that was the deciding factor hmm. in this fight. The person that holds the all-time record for most managerial ejections in Major League Baseball is, in fact, Bobby Cox. Dan did not get that one right. Randy did. Uh, Charlie Lindgren is the second goalie in Blues history to win each of his first four games with the Blues. You guys both didn't got this incorrect. Both of you thought it was Jordan Bennington. It was Ryan Miller, old beanie.
4: Ryan oh, Miller. Oh, Ryan Ooh. Miller. Yeah. And, oh,
2: yeah. You know what? He was. I was thinking about this last night because Lucky Lindy had his... Uh, his mask all painted and everything. Remember how Ryan Miller was good with the only white mask, and then once he got a painted mask, he sucked. I remember
4: that. It yeah. was just like a single trumpet on right. his on his helmet. The thing with uh, Charlie Lindgren is is that uh, Ryan Miller is like known for his iceberg pads mm-hmm. that he made famous yeah. uh, earlier in his career, yeah. and he also has that. Uh, well, one he's got number 39 too, which was Ryan Miller's yeah, number. Right. So I'm wondering if maybe there's a connection there. Could be a warning. Hmm?
3: No, Chucky oh. Sideburns is not going to go the way. And hey, Lindon uh...
2: appears to be a good guy, which Ryan Miller really wasn't.
3: Oh, really? No, he was a jerk. <laughs> this sounds personal, Randy.
2: He, well, it is. He didn't like me personally. He didn't like any media <laughs> people personally. It was oh, personal.
3: Wow, okay. The inside truth comes out. There we go. I, I
2: think everybody pretty much, we, we labeled him as a jerk pretty quickly.
3: I want to do a show one day where you just let it fly. All the players and co- coaches and managers, GMs that were rude to you, we just have a list.
2: Um, 90, the airing
3: of grievances, maybe.
2: 98% of the guys have been really good.
3: Yeah, we're lucky here in St. Louis. Yeah. We really are. Okay, the all-time NFL single-season season leader in rushing yards. Is, in fact, Eric Dickerson, 2,105 yards. The choices were Randy, Mm -hmm. Adrian Peterson, O.J. Simpson, or Eric Dickerson.
2: Well, O.J. had 2003. Uh, He he was more of a slashing-type runner than a north-south kind of guy. (laughs) And uh, Adrian Peterson, man... He was like a man among – he was like beating up on little boys. It was like a man among boys.
3: Moving on from that.
1: Randy, I took a stab in the dark
2: on that one.
3: (laughs) Dan's your guy, Randy.
2: (laughs) Dan, I love you.
3: This is your person. All right, the Milwaukee Brewer player that Bruce Suter set down on strikes to win the World Series in 1982 was, in fact, Gorman Thomas. Dan, great fight today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, and have a great rest of your week. Thanks, guys. I want to do a quick shout out to uh, my coworkers down the hall, Mike and uh, Toby. We'll see you in a bit.
2: All right, Dan, thank you very much. Mike and Toby, shout out to you and win, 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 win. (laughs) What? (laughs) You guys got a problem here? It's just just
3: when I think that you've only done the Al Davis that you sneak it in. Hmm. (laughs) Are you having a. (laughs) <laughs> malfunction. Excuse me, while I whip this out. <laughs> oh my God! That's a new one. I hit
2: that one accidentally.
3: <laughs> that sounds NSFW.
2: <laughs> no, that one's fine. This is one of the great scenes in movie history. What movie? Blazing Saddles, which seen. could not be released in 2021 or 2022, but is maybe the funniest movie ever made. Ever? It's very funny. Yeah, I I would have to say text in six five seven eight zero Blazing Saddles is the funniest movie ever made.
3: Should I add it to the list that Dan made for me of movies that I need to see? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: (laughs) He rode a blazing saddle. He wore a shining star. Yeah, it was great.
3: Uh, Voice of an angel. It's like Fergie and Jesus. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's see here.
6: I'm particularly glad that these lovely children were here today to hear that speech. Not only was it authentic frontier gibberish, it expressed a courage little seen in this day and age.
7: work work work
6: work 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 work.
7: yeah,
2: it's pretty funny. pretty funny movie.
3: Are those all from that movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go.
2: Oh. Uh, we got more. No, we don't. We, well, we we do but we won't utilize it right now.
3: We've got more on the show, that's but for we sure. We do.
2: We've got to come up with uh, the blues nearing full strength. So, how dangerous could this team be once they get everybody back? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Text line
2: 65780. About 75 to 80% agree that Blazing Saddles is the funniest movie ever made. We do get a Dumb and Dumber reference. We do get a Big Lebowski. We do get an Airplane. There are a lot of great movies out there. So we appreciate you weighing in with your funniest movies of all time. Very funny stuff.
3: Okay, I guess I have to see it then. The consensus is in. What, what so, are you laughing
2: about? Somebody texted in, the sheriff is near, which is one of the all-time great scenes in movie history. It's just very funny.
3: Also, Randy, if people are texting in, we need them to send in some mic drops as well.
2: Yes, we want to have your mic drops. What do you wish baseball did now that happened more often in the past? One of the things about the 80s Cardinals was, A, they ran, B, they played great defense, and C, they had AstroTurf. Now, AstroTurf, not a great thing now because it does have an effect on your legs, but AstroTurf, for Cardinal fans, made the game better. Bigger ballparks, the ability to not hit as many home runs and utilize your speed. Uh, To me, that's a great thing. What things... Ozzie Smith being able to play what <laughs> things do you miss that uh, baseball doesn't have now that you wish they did have
3: I wish that we had less strikeouts
2: yeah there's one you
3: know back in the day guys took a lot of pride in not striking mm-hmm. out and I think it's just there's too many strikeouts in the again game today
2: back in my day back in our day uh, Whitey would say when he was the manager of the Cardinals hey if you can't bunt you can't be on my team mm-hmm. I need you to be able to bunt so that's another thing I liked that aspect of the game. All right, Michelle, the Blues are getting guys back. Last night, Bozak and Falk returned. By Friday, they'll probably have Jordan Binnington back. David Perron is getting closer. He has to miss one more game. The Blues are dynamic right now. They're a lot of fun to watch in addition to winning with eight players from Springfield. Now, last night, you didn't have Perunovic. Eight players that have played in the minors because Gillies never played for Springfield. But Last night, seven players were dressed that had played in the minors this year. Six of those had played for Springfield. You would guess that if you're evaluating property properly, that the guys who were in Springfield aren't as good as the guys who were up here when they were healthy. So the question is, how good can this Blues team be?
3: Now, we are seeing a lot of exciting things out of some of these young players. Nathan Walker, Charlie Lindgren. I mean, the list goes on. They're basically the Springfield Blues right now. However, is that sustainable? All of these guys are coming up. They clearly have something to prove. This is their opportunity. They're they're going to take advantage of it. But lest we forget that Doug Armstrong is a pretty good evaluator of, of talent. And I wonder if this were something that was prolonged, if we would be able to see some of these guys be able to sustain what we're seeing now.
2: Yeah, that's the hard thing, is we've seen a lot of young guys come up that wind up hitting a wall and don't stay as good as they were when they initially got here. But you, you've got a guy that might be able to. Lindgren has been around. He won a Frozen Four. He was a great college goalie for Providence. He's been a guy that played in the NHL. And he does have, to to an extent, I mean... He, He's kind of got the Biddington vibe, right? Uh, A guy who had to work his way up to this level. Yeah. So maybe he can be a guy that winds up being good. And he's a guy that uh, brings back thoughts of old timey days, right?
3: absolutely i love his look i love his energy freaking a right remember how he (laughs) said that after the other game he just seems unbothered by the moment which is bennington-esque because when we first saw jordan bennington he was the flatliner nothing Mm -hmm. got him up or down and um i don't know there's just something about the essence of charlie lindgren that i like and that i think we're gonna miss if he's not with the team anymore
2: he is old school and that's something that the head coach craig berube definitely appreciates Lindgren
7: said he's trying to pull
6: off the uh, 70s, 80s look with the sideburns. I'm sure you had some sideburns at one point. Do you think he's doing it? Do you think he's pulling it off? He does look a little there. He's, a, he's pretty, um, with the hair and the sideburns, yeah, he's, he's a 70s looking guy for sure. Which, you know, the 70s probably are the greatest era, era so far, uh, you know, in my opinion.
3: <laughs> a lot to unpack there. Do you see Craig Berube as a guy with sideburns or a guy that could have flow like Chucky Sideburns? There are photos. I know, but like even looking back, it doesn't seem to fit him. It doesn't fit the chief that we know now.
2: Not the chief that we know now, but back in that day in the 70s, when he was growing up, every tough guy had sideburns and a food, Fu shoe going. Mm-hmm. So that was just part and parcel of what he was as a hockey player.
3: I would love to sit down with Craig Ruby and really dive deep into why he thinks the 70s are the greatest era. Was he a disco guy? What is it about the 70s that he loves so much that he think, thinks is better than any other era? Well, disco,
2: yeah. There you
3: go. You think it's just strictly disco? No, disco
2: from a hockey perspective. He's probably one of those guys that liked the rough and tumble fighting game. He, he probably enjoyed... Playing in Canada at that time, and Paul Henderson scoring in the Canada Cup, the winning goal for Canada. There's probably a lot of things from his perspective that. Made the 70s great.
3: There's something about the Charlie Lindgren 70s look. When you look back on people from the 70s, whether they were in high school or college, young men, they look like they're 40 years old. Mm-hmm. With the mustache and the sideburns yeah. and the float. they looked like grown men when they were really young adults. And now you don't see that with guys. No,
2: if you look at, like, old-time...
3: They all have the Bieber bangs, you yeah, know? They, it, they do. It yeah. makes them look very useful.
2: It, go, if you look at, like, colleges tape uh, videotape not videotape it was actually film in those days of (laughs) colleges back in that day or look at a team photo a college football team photo from the 1970s like look at Gary Pinkle's team from Kent State with Nick Saban was on that team and Jack Lambert was all on that team they had so many guys with the sideburns and the, the beard and the mustache going. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. They, they did look like they were middle-aged men.
3: Grown-ass men. They all looked like they were talking about their 401k and going out to mow the lawn.
2: Yeah. So we've kind of got off the rails here.
3: Yeah, we have. I'm sorry. Back but, to the blues.
2: <laughs> yeah. The blues... Uh, Greg Wachinski said with BK and ferrario he said, "Maybe we were sleeping on the Blues. Maybe we didn't give them enough respect because when they are healthy, they look an awful lot like the team that won the Stanley Cup, with maybe even a little bit more skill with the addition of Sod and Buchnevich."
3: And how can you disagree with that when you're looking at the state of this team right now, and they're missing so many key players and have for this extended period of time? And not only were they able to tread water they're able to find success during this time when they get everybody back and everybody healthy and they get a little time to get some seasoning as a group i think the sky's the limit for this team and i it's easy to feel that confident right now Mm -hmm. but we have not seen this blues team firing on all cylinders yet this season
2: here's a little fun fact for you if you if you're into fun facts and stuff
3: love a fun fact
2: so far in this season brandon sod has played 25 games and has 11 goals Mm -hmm. 2018-19 Jaden Schwartz played the entire season and had 11 goals. Really? Yeah. During Remember, he had 11 during the playoffs and 11 during the, oh, the regular right. season. So Saad has already matched the offensive output of Schwartzy that year. You go back to right wing on that team, and you you had Tarasenko, and you had uh, Perron. Boy, this is bad. I don't even remember. But I, I'm wondering if the right wing situation was as good as... At least scoring wise Andrew you remember who the right-wing for that uh, the 2018-19 blues was a bad memory here but it'll it, it appears to be a stronger right-wing situation now than it was in 2018-2019
3: sorry I was looking up Brandon Saad's career stats I wanted to see how what his career high for goals in a season was and it was 2015-16 in Columbus he had 31 but right now he's at 11 with the Blues And for the past couple seasons when he was with Chicago, we're looking 23-21 range. He could easily surpass that.
2: There's no doubt.
3: I think we're going to see a a better Brandon Saad in totality this season than we saw in Chicago.
2: Yeah, so it it might be, this might be even a more talented team than the one that the Blues won the Stanley Cup with in 2018-2019.
4: You're yep. still looking at the. I'm, I'm supposed that, to have this memory. The lines. Let's see the li- the fourth line was exist. Barbashev, uh, son Sunny and Steiner. And Steiner. So I'm
2: thinking of the number
4: three right wing on that team. So we had Bozak, Maroon, and Thomas was along. Oh, Thomas. Thomas was your, your that's other, right, right wing. That's right because he wasn't yet. a center exactly during that so, season. So. so there you go.
2: So yeah, they can be better. No doubt about it. That's Michelle. That's Andrew. I'm Randy. Coming up next, it's signing day in college football. How big of a day can this be for Mizzou? Unusually big. That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money.
2: This is a huge day for the University of Missouri. And, Michelle, it might be the best recruiting day that Mizzou has ever had. Larry Smith, Gary Pinkle, Barry Odom always talked about how they didn't like the recruiting services and the the stars that were given to players. And they didn't like the rankings because what they would do is get a bunch of two- and three-star guys and try to coach them up and have them become great players. And they did, for the most part, especially under Gary Pinkle, a very good job of that. I would think today that Eli Drinkwitz is going to like the rankings because his class heading into today is ranked number seven or number nine, rather, in the country. The only schools to have, according to ESPN, better recruiting classes than Mizzou, Georgia, Alabama, a couple from the SEC, Texas A&M, that's three from the SEC, then Ohio State, Texas, Notre Dame, Penn State and North Carolina. So, Mizzou ranked number nine in the country, number four in the SEC. Number 10, Michelle, nationally, Oklahoma. Wow. Number 11, Florida State. Number 12 is Stanford. Number 13 is Michigan. Uh, Number 15 is Clemson. Missouri having better recruiting years than those programs.
3: Than Clemson? That's shocking. And job well done to Eli Drinkwitz. If At the end of the day, that's what we're looking at. Because I believe last year, Randy, Mizzou was number 11 in the SEC and 27th nationally. But that's what's going to have to happen if Mizzou really wants to be a team that becomes a force to be reckoned with in the SEC, is you've got to win the recruiting battle. Clearly, you still have to coach players up and do what you did before. But when you make the improvements that you did to the South End Zone project and you hire a guy like Eli Drinkwitz, you don't you don't just want to be a good team in the SEC. You're putting the resources in necessary to your program to be a great team and be able to compete in the SEC. And you can't do that without the talent.
2: And obviously the, the big catch for the Tigers is Luther Burden out of East St. Louis, the wide receiver. But they also have a, uh, gotten a commitment this morning from Sam Horn, He is a four-star quarterback out of Georgia, and the Tigers beat out Georgia for his services. Makai Miller is now officially a Tiger from Overland Park, Kansas, from Blue Valley North. He is a terrific performer uh they really needed to work on the lines jalen marshall a 6'5 275 pounder out of st thomas aquinas in overland park kansas he joins mizzou valen Rickson, a, a 6'6 280 pound uh offensive lineman out of uh, st rita in chicago he is on his way to mizzou and many other signings today for the tigers isaac thompson uh Linebacker out of slew High, six two two zero five. He has sent in his letter of intent, and so the Mike Jones product. Mike Jones coaching up linebackers. You like to have that at yeah, Mizzou. You, you
3: absolutely do.
2: So congratulations to all of those players that are making their choices today.
3: How many times do you think in the future that we're going to talk about Horn to Burden? If you're a Mizzou oh. football fan, how exciting is that? Yes, of course you want talent on any aspect of your football team, but to know that you've got Luther Burden and you've got a quarterback from Georgia that is choosing Mizzou over Georgia. Those are two pretty important pieces of the puzzle.
2: Yeah, and what they need to do now is make sure that their lines are good because they did get trampled defensively for the first three quarters of this season. They found their run defense later, but they need guys on the defensive side of the ball. And clearly, if you have Horn and you have Burden and you also have a four-star running back making his way to Mizzou, you better have an offensive line for those guys.
3: So I don't want to be a downer, but can I bring bring up something that popped into my head as we're having this conversation? Eli Drinkwitz clearly doing well so far in his tenure at Mizzou. Mm -hmm. He's a dynamic personality. Players love playing for him. He this season, not exactly what Mizzou ultimately wants from him, but in what he did during the pandemic year far exceeded expectations still going to a bowl by the way so it's not it's not as if he had a bad season by any means but Mizzou's hoping for more right they want the program to be on a different plane but with a recruiting class like this I keep thinking this just push pushes Eli Drinkwitz up further on the list of names for bigger programs to come and poach him
2: well Two things. Number one, if they're interested in him, that means he's winning right now. He's 11 and 11. So he he needs to win. And if he's good enough for somebody to come and get him, then that will have been fun for Mizzou fans. More fun than we've had recently. The other thing I have is when you look at the next five years, Michelle. If Saban leaves Alabama, maybe they would come after a guy like Eli if he wins big in a couple of years.
3: Or maybe Dabo goes to Alabama. Clemson comes after Eli
2: could be. Or if Dabo has a bad year and gets gets whacked, Notre Dame has Marcus Freeman. He's thirty five years old. He's going to be there for the foreseeable future. Ryan Day that that's just not a spot for Eli. Eli, I think if Eli leaves, it's going to be south and east of St. Louis in Columbia, Oklahoma. Their guy's going to be there for a while. Brent Venables, USC. They got a ten year, hundred million dollar contract. Michigan, I don't think that's a spot for Eli. I'm looking at the legendary programs in football that you'd want to leave Mizzou for. Texas, maybe Sarkeesian will get fired in the next couple of years, but he's got one of the top five recruiting classes in the country. Plus, he got the transfer quarterback. Uh, You've got... uh, And he's
3: early in his tenure.
2: Yeah, after one year. Right. Tennessee... Mizzou's just as good as a program, even though Tennessee has won a championship. Mizzou's as good a program, better facilities now. Yeah, that seems like a, a
3: lateral move.
2: Yeah. LSU has a guy 10 years, $100 million. Yeah. Uh, Miami is Eli and uh, Cristobal, 10 years, what, 80, $95 million, right? right? Uh, Florida State, maybe they fire Norvell quickly. But if they do fire Norvell, uh, again, that's... a as Jimbo showed, you can win a national championship there. So maybe Florida State would be intriguing to a guy like Drinkwitz. My point is, Auburn, second-year coach and Brian Harson. Uh, how far down the road do they go with him? Florida, first-year coach. Georgia, Kirby's not going anywhere. Clemson, Dabo theoretically isn't going anywhere. I don't know that there are many schools that are going to be making moves quickly. And like you texted me last night, it is the cycle. But hopefully this program, which has... Superb new facilities. A lot of people paying a lot of money. He's making good money. They're paying his assistants good money. You can recruit to Mizzou now. Hopefully, he'll turn it into a program where he'll want to do what Gary Pinkle did and stay for 15 years.
3: That would be amazing. And
2: we got worried about Gary Pinkle when Michigan came calling, when Ohio State came calling. We got worried about Gary Pinkle leaving. And he was loyal to Mizzou. Hopefully you have another guy that's loyal to Mizzou.
3: You just know that even though those programs have seemingly the guy in place, that it's the cycle of college football, there's always a scandal. There's always some movement, some major coaching movement. And even though Eli Drinkwitz is not on the same level as a lot of those guys that you just mentioned or those programs, I'm just saying his name is going up the list. He's certainly someone that I think you could sell to your fan base.
2: Definitely. I think it really benefits Missouri and by the way, you've, you've got to still play the game. But it really benefits Mizzou that recently all these guys have gotten these 10-year contracts for tons of money because schools are going to be much more reluctant to whack a guy after two or three years when they have seven years and $70 million left to pay.
3: That's true. But I, I say that's true. But then I also think these, these institutions have no problem with dead money, clearly.
2: No, but... 70 million is a lot different than twelve million though. Yeah, that's true. So we'll, we'll see. But you know, the bottom line is if he's desirable for a blue blue blood school, that means he's been winning. And that means we've had fun watching Mizzou football. And Eli will join us here at nine forty five here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we want your mic drops and your texts. What do you wish baseball would do now that happened more often in the past? That's coming your way with Carricker and Smallman on 101
1: ESPN.
2: Make sure you're with us at 945. Eli Drinkwitz on signing day is going to join us. By the way, 2022 National Signing Day. Year of the Tiger is what they're saying at uh, Mizzou Football's Twitter page. We want to know from you, what did you like about baseball in the past that we don't have now? What do you wish baseball did now that happened more often back in old timey days? Not old timey days like the 1940s and 50s, but in the 1980s and 90s and 2000s, we have text 65780 and we invite your mic drops as well with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app and Michelle has the text machine rolling
3: part of our conversation earlier in the show Randy was about how a lot of great players Hall of Fame players that we watched in baseball and years past would not even get a look today one person that you mentioned was Albert Pujols
2: yeah 13th round pick and I know of at least one team the Giants that had taken him off of their board because he was overweight and he was kind of a lumbering player. And what a scout from the Giants told me is, hey, congratulations to the Cardinals. They saw something in that swing that I sure didn't see. And now with a 20-round draft and the fact that teams want players to be buff, they want players to, to be physical specimens, I wonder if Albert gets drafted if he's in the 2022 draft. I bet he doesn't.
3: From the 314, I'm a data analyst by trade. Albert Pujols never gets a chance early on because data can't factor in work ethic and jumps in performance due to it.
2: I think that's exactly right. And the Cardinals were able to take advantage of that. Now, we do have a a 20-round draft, but I have to believe that things change. You might not take that gamble with a 13th-round draft choice in a draft now where you know you're only going to be able to draft 20 players rather than 40 or 50.
3: From the 618, I'm a small ball. You don't see much, if any, of it now.
2: They're literally players that don't know how to bunt. Danny has told me that uh, he, he went to Mike Schilt one time and said, hey, why didn't you bunt in that situation? And Schilt said, because the player can't bunt. He doesn't work at it. He doesn't really want to bunt. Everybody wants to hit home runs. And it's hard to play small ball if the guys are incapable of it. And I, I am... 100% on board. We are syncopado you and uh, the, the, the texter and me. I want to see more small ball and more speed, too.
3: But is it fair to say that of players, if they're probably not being coached that way when they're coming up, well, right? It's probably not even things that are, are being instructed to them.
2: No, but that's something that at the minor league level that you could institute as part of your style of play. And I know it's more difficult to bunt now because guys are throwing 98 up in the zone. But You can at least try, and players don't want to do it because it's not a place where you can make a ton of money.
3: From the 618, I miss good hitters. Not home run hitters, but good hitters. The shift works now because batters can't hit the other way. Teams would stop the shift if a guy could consistently hit the other way. So that's what I miss, good hitters.
2: You remember we had Tim Kirkjian on, and I said, how would Tony Gwynn handle the shift? And he laughed. He said, Tony Gwynn would hit. 400 against the shift. If there's a hole, he's going to find it. And Michelle, to that point, this year, let me do a quick count for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. There were 16 players, 16 players in Major League Baseball that hit 300.
3: From the 573, can players today just hit the ball? The striking out is just mind boggling.
2: It's a three true outcome offensive game. It's a home run, it's a strikeout, or it's a walk, and it's boring.
3: It is so boring, and I talked about this earlier. You, you look at guys who are great in eras past, and they took pride in not striking out, and now it's not, there's it's just part of the game. Yeah. It's not even a negative at all. Um, how about this one from the six three six? I love this one. I miss the complete game pitching or just anything past the fifth inning.
2: This is another aspect of analytics because regardless of how physically able you are as a pitcher to throw 110 or 120 or even 130 pitches, they don't let you, they being the baseball hierarchy with analytics, they don't want you to pitch to a team a third time through the order because... They believe that if they use three or four relievers that they're going to have a greater level of success but what it does though is it wears down your bullpen by the end of a season
3: also with guys just throwing gas now you don't want to put that much strain on the arm
2: no and another problem is the people that are taught in baseball camps at the ages of 9 10 11 12 13 to use max effort and those guys throw 100 miles an hour and then they literally need to recharge their batteries for 35 or 40 seconds to throw 100 again. So that's one of the reasons that we have so much time between pitches is that physically those pitchers are incapable of throwing 100 if the 15 second time limit for pitchers which is in the rule book is implemented by umpires.
3: This is a question from the 314 if somebody went against the grain and decided to scout and develop players like they used to and they had success. Do you think analytics would slowly dwindle away like they need to
2: No, analytics is here to stay. But I do believe that there would be more balance that there would be scouting and appreciation of the human factor. The, in baseball I don't think that analytics is going anywhere and there's a lot of good things about analytics it's a wonderful tool my issue is that it happens it appears to be the be-all and end-all
3: another question from the 618 are we at a point where future managers and scouts won't have any gut feelings or intuition on players because they grew up in an analytics era ball only it's a great point that is
2: I think so I I would think that they probably won't even bother with people like Billy Bean, the general manager of the A's when he was their general manager, wouldn't watch games. He would drive away from the stadium. That it wasn't just a thing in Moneyball. That was true. That he didn't want to watch the players play because he just wanted to rely on the statistics. And I believe that managers won't even bother with looking at a player. He's just going to look at a computer screen or a page and say, okay, here's what I'm supposed to do. This is my paint by numbers conclusion
3: how sterile
2: yeah but that's can you imagine working for somebody who only based what they felt about what your capabilities were on numbers
3: no that would be so frustrating as a player and there's so many things that you can't quantify with numbers how do you quantify some of the things that we've seen out of Yadier Molina in analytics you cannot do it no so you mean to tell me if you don't if we're removing that aspect of the game it's going to be a far less entertaining product because you're going to be missing out on a lot of talent. And I also think to the point about managers growing up in an analytics era and not relying on gut instinct, a Tony La Russa can look at somebody and be able to read them because he's had years of reading players mm-hmm. and because he has the data points needed from games past knowing I trusted this guy and it didn't work out for me, etc. There has to be a marriage of both. But if managers now are coming up and the only thing that they've learned or the only way that they've found success is by the numbers, I mean, that aspect of the game might as well be gone.
2: And many times managers are hired because they're pliable, because... They agree to do what the front office tells them to do in terms of putting together a lineup or taking out a pitcher after six innings in the World Series or in the sixth inning of the World Series because they don't want him to go through a lineup a third time even though he's dominated them. But managers now are serving at the pleasure of of not just general managers and owners, but entire front offices.
3: There's been a massive power shift. Before what a manager brought to the table, someone like Tony La Russa, was his experience and was what he has been able to collect, the information and, and the instincts and the, the tactical things needed. All of that was what made a manager so valuable, and now the front offices are the ones that hold all the power because they have the numbers and they're going to make the decisions. When they go to hire a manager, they're not looking no. for a Experience. they're looking for something else
2: and Michelle along those lines when Tony La Russa and Joe Torre and Bobby Cox all retired they were all making more than five million dollars a year there will never be another five million dollar manager because of what you're saying the managers aren't managing anymore and it's a way to save money it's a way to save four million dollars a year but the front offices are telling the managers what to do the, there is no real responsibility for a manager unless a team loses and then you've got a scapegoat
3: that's true man that's sad yeah you're, you're just you're looking at a an era of baseball where the front office is likely going to be one of the faces of the franchise yeah, right. Right? right it's not the manager anymore yep.
2: I, i'm glad that uh, the the data analysts are listening and talking about what analytics do and don't do because anal- like i said there are numbers that are really good the The Rapsodo uh, film, the the data that pitchers get on spin rate, all really good and really important, although that did lead to the stick'em. But pitchers can make themselves better by using analytics and modern technology. My point is, is that I, I don't think baseball should be driven by that.
3: What'd you call it? Uh, analysis or paralysis by paralysis analysis. Paralysis by analysis. Yes. Yeah,
2: no doubt about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
3: You're killing me, Smalls.
1: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
3: Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. Save up to 20% on a great selection of service loaners.
2: It is time for...
3: You're killing me, Smalls. A big night in the NBA last night, Randy, and historic night in the NBA last night. It was the Warriors and the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Steph Curry heading into this game. He only needed two three-pointers to pass Ray Allen's all-time mark. He got the first one within two minutes of the game. And then at 7.33 in the first quarter, here's what happened.
2: Alec Burks guarding it from the start. Wiggins
1: again. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! Time three-point king in the NBA. Three-pointer number 2974. The man who changed the game. The igniter of the three-point revolution of the NBA.
6: And now he stands alone at the top of the three-point list. Bam! He got it.
3: <laughs> he ended up with five three-pointers on the night, so he extends his career total to 2,977. He also had 22 points, by the way. The Warriors defeated the Knicks 105-96. to And after the game, it was obviously all about Steph. It was really special. Ray Allen and Reggie Miller were there to present Steph with a special 2,974. That was the number on the jersey.
6: Steph, before we let you go, I know that Ray Allen and Reggie Miller are both right over there behind you Can we just see what what they have cooked up here for you? What? Uh, yeah,
7: them, so Will you bring them in They got uh, they got their jerseys right here obviously and then what's that?
6: Come on <laughs> in. T- tell them to come on in here.
7: Let's yeah, hear to Yeah, come on in. So this you is <laughs> <on> <laughs> This is pretty that. special, man That's what it's about. I've been thinking about this number for a long time. I even got it on my shoes. So, uh basketball history this is pretty special um i mean like i said these two you know legends uh i watched them watched them growing up and understood what it meant to shoot the ball because of them and my dad and uh, full circle moment man i'm just i'm blessed blessed for sure
3: and a moment like that deserves an appropriate venue. And it was so cool that it was at Madison Square Garden. And a lot of people look at the moment in Steph's career where he really kind of announced himself as a star back in 2013 when he had 54 points against the Knicks at MSG. And he talked about what it was like to be in that venue for this moment last night.
7: It's kind of crazy to think growing up around the league, watching my dad play, uh, my family, you know, going to old Hornet games. and you know, having big dreams about, you know, shooting the basketball and, and one day hopefully playing on this level to, to do it here at Madison Square Garden in front of, you know, <laughs> this guy right here. Hey, I need that. I need that. Uh, and Reggie and just all that basketball means to me. Um, it's special. So I had the, uh, you know, great support here. This, this arena was, uh, I, I can't express how much of a uh, an honor that was for the reaction here on the road and uh, the the appreciation for this milestone. And and obviously, it's great to get the win uh, on top of that. So uh, a very, very, very special night.
2: How many guys can you say, especially in one of the four major sports leagues, he changed the game because before Steph came along, guys were shooting threes, but there wasn't anybody like this. And Ray Allen was great. I think the best comp for Steph is Reggie. But he wasn't shooting, he wasn't hitting more than five a game and hitting so many from 30, 35, 40 feet. And Steph takes two steps beyond midcourt, puts it up and makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. And now we see Trey Young, and and he's doing that, and kids are doing that in college. Steph has changed the game.
3: That's a great question. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is obviously Bob Gibson. They mm-hmm. changed the game for Bob Gibson. Yeah. Who else is on that list? Yeah, Um it's hard to think of right now. Yeah, really. I, I
2: I believe that Jerry Rice did just because of the volume with which the, the team that he was on threw the ball to him. And now a lot of the receivers are putting up numbers that dwarfed Jerry Rice's regular season numbers. I think to an extent, the greatest show on turf, but not to the level that Steph has changed the NBA. Just one guy being emulated by so many and taken to heart by front offices, too.
3: You're killing me, small! Congrats to staff. So, Randy, uh, you may have heard that there's a new movie coming out, and it's going to be about the life of Sean Payton. Have you heard about this?
2: I have heard about this.
3: Kevin James, you know, from King of Queens, Mm -hmm. he's going to play Sean Payton. The movie is called Home Team, and the trailer was released yesterday. So the premise of the movie is about Sean Payton during his Bounty Gate suspension back in 2012. He actually took a coaching position on his son's football team in suburban Dallas and ended up transforming this team. He made a big playbook for them. And they ended up beating the competition badly, really badly. And so Kevin James wanted to make a movie, or I guess he's starring in it, about this period in Sean Payton's life. And I saw the trailer, Randy, and I'm a bit concerned that this movie might not be great.
2: I can picture it not being great because I can't picture Kevin James being Sean Payton.
3: He doesn't look like him at all.
2: No, uh uh-uh. So at least Zachary Levi, you you could say,
3: okay, squint real
2: tight and maybe you see some Kurt Warner. No, it's hard to imagine that they're going to get a lot of quality minutes out of this film.
3: And do you think it's too soon? I know it's been 10 years, but Sean Payton's still coaching. It just seems like a weird time to release a movie about his life when he's still coaching in the NFL. That's a
2: good point. I do think it's too early. And I wonder who plays Greg Williams.
3: I don't know if he's going to be in the movie.
2: I think he should be. There's got to be a reason why an NFL head coach is coaching a his son's team.
3: Yeah, I wonder how they're going to, to address the Bounty Gate situation and what looks like a family film.
2: Right, and I wonder if maybe Sean Payton, because there are no rules, especially in Texas Little League football, I wonder if there are any bounties that uh, the Sean Payton team puts on the opposition.
3: You know, I, I'm i going to go ahead and say no. Darn it. I don't think so. Probably not in a, in a kid's film. The
4: movie looks so bad. That,
3: thank you, Andrew. It I was trying to be polite. So it does not bad. look good. It
4: looks like a streaming S- streaming service movie for Yeah, then that checks out.
3: You're killing me, smalls. And finally, Randy Aaron Rodgers, his future is obviously in question for next season. We know that he was not thrilled about Green Bay and that a lot of people think that this is his last season there. Well, he was on his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show and Pat McAfee asked him if he loves being a Green Bay Packer. If he loves playing for Green Bay this season. Aaron Rodgers had a long pause and he said, "I love playing ball."
2: That's Aaron Rodgers for you. I wonder if, because he's great, wherever he goes, he will be liked. But I think that his national perception probably has changed negatively over the course of the last calendar year. I don't find him nearly as likable as I used to.
3: But that kind of happens with everybody, right? The more you get to know someone or the more people reveal of themselves, the less we like them.
2: What about Peyton Manning? What about Kurt?
3: I don't know. I think Kurt was in a different era, you know, with the social media stuff. Peyton Manning, too. Peyton Manning is very good. Peyton Manning lets you see what he wants you to see. He's very good at protecting himself. I
2: like Eli better in retirement.
3: I actually do, too. I like Eli a lot better.
2: Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers has shown his true colors. He's just an incredibly selfish individual, and it's, it's just not a good look for him.
3: But he likes playing ball.
2: Yes, he does. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up next, Eli Drinkwitz on Signing Day on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Oh, wow.
2: Randy Character 101 ESPN in St. Louis, and it is a big day for Eli Drinkwitz and the Mizzou football program. It's National Letter of Intent Day, and on this busy day, Coach has been kind enough to take a few moments with us. By the way, Coach and members of the staff and Athletic Director uh, Desiree Reed-Francois will be in town tonight, downtown at the Midwestern. Doors open at 6 o'clock, and the program begins at 6.30 to talk about this National Letter of Intent Day. Coach, good morning. Great to have you with us, and congratulations.
5: Hey man, appreciate it. Uh, you know, I know everybody. It's a, it's a big day for our program. It's a big day for our state celebration of us being able to sign the best players in our state. Really putting up a wall and, and and making sure that we are able to get some of these great players to stay home and play for us. I think we did a really good job of of really capturing both Kansas City, St. Louis, and in in rural Missouri, and getting these guys here. And And look forward to just continue to build off this momentum. Today's going to be a big start for us. By no means are we finished. There's going to be more for us to add and and continue to add. But, boy, today's going to be a really good start. We've had a, a really good morning so far.
2: Eli, over the years, I've talked to Larry Smith, and I've talked to Woody. Uh, I've talked to uh, Coach Pinkle. I've talked to Barry Odom. And everybody would say, ah, "I really don't care about recruiting services and rankings." Do you care a little bit more when your when your class is ranked number nine in the country?
5: Um, no, I don't. I mean, here's the deal, man. If they're going to keep score, I'm always going to peek at the scoreboard and try to win it. You know, so. Uh, I think that's something that I learned a long time ago, always compete. Uh, I don't necessarily always agree with people's evaluations and all the different things that go into that stuff and the politics of it. But, but man, we're trying to compete. And uh, I do know that you've got to recruit great players in order to have a chance to win a championship. And and uh, that's what we got to continue to do here at Mizzou.
3: Coach, there's a lot of great talent in the state of Missouri. You mentioned locking down the borders, but when we're watching the playoffs, we're seeing Jameson Williams of Alabama and Hassan Haskins at Michigan, both Missouri products. How good do you think that the Mizzou program could be if you could keep that talent in state?
5: Well, that's what we, we got to do. I mean, you didn't even mention Kyron Williams at Notre Dame. I mean, those guys are people that, that are, are playing at, you know at, at a really high level, and they're some of the best players in college football, and you know, we all know from super teams in the NBA, the 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 more talent you put on the same team, the better chance you have to win, and and that's really what we got to do. Um, and 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 those guys are are really good players, and wish them all the best. But boy, every time I watch them, I wish they were here playing for us at the zoo.
2: Eli, do you still get letters of intent via fax? We were having this discussion this morning.
5: <laughs> no, I tell you what, we don't do that anymore. Uh, you 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 get them via text message, uh, picture picture text message, and this happened several years ago on signing day. There was uh, you know snowstorms all across the southern part of the United States, and electricity was out, and, and uh, so people were able to take uh, pictures on their cell phones and send it in. And now that's that's basically the mode of transportation or tra- uh, transmission. You can do it electronically through email, like DocuSign, um, but but we don't even have a fax machine up here. <laughs> it's kind of crazy.
3: Coach, in the buildup to this day, how uh, much easier is it for you to have conversations with some potential recruits after Luther Burden has committed to Mizzou?
5: Yeah, I think it's just a catalyst. Uh, you know, obviously a tremendous player um, with, with credentials of being an elite player in this country, and, and people want to play um, with great players, and so – you know, just identifying him. And I think for him, it was also identifying with having Sam Horne and Tavares Jones and and uh, some of these elite players that we had had already had committed. You know, the Makai Millers, the Marquise Graciels, the, the Isaac Thompsons, you know, those guys, the Marcus Scotts. And so it was kind of a combination of us already having a significant jump on the recruiting class and then him adding to what we're able to do.
2: And Eli, as you said, on the day that you were introduced as Mizzou's head coach, if you're going to win in the SEC, you have to win in the trenches. And it looks like you got some really, not not only good players, but some good numbers in the trenches in the signing class.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We obviously have got to continue to win in the trenches and, and uh, we've got two really good defensive tackles that we feel really strongly about and, Hope to close on some defensive ends later today, um, uh, but if not, we'll continue to work on it. So we we we've got a lot of opportunity ahead of us.
3: Coach, how tired are you? I can't imagine that you've gotten a lot of sleep balancing recruiting and bowl prep. <laughs>
5: uh, you know what? I'm I'm what's that line? I'm uh, in uh, uh, Ricky Bobby. I'm high on Mountain Dew. So all jacked you know, I'm, I'm Dew. All jacked up on Mountain Dew. jacked up. Yeah, I'm all jacked up on. Diet Dew and caffeine, I'm sure I'll have a big crash on the 23rd, but right now, there's no rest for the weary. You just got to keep on going and pushing through, and and that's what we're going to do. And Yeah, I haven't slept much, but uh, they don't pay us to sleep.
2: (laughs) Hey, Eli, have you gotten all of the letters of intent so far that you expected to get here? We are 952 in St. Louis. Has everybody checked in?
5: Yeah, we've got the ones that we've expected, and like I said, we've got a couple of people that are going to be announcing throughout the day, and don't know where they're going to go yet. So, you know, those are the ones you got to hold your breath on. And, and uh, I broke out the old uh, lucky gold sweater uh, today to see if we can't, uh, you know, steer a few back, you know.
2: And I, w- I wanted to ask you, obviously the transfer portal is absolutely wild. How much do you recruit the transfer portal now? Because that's something you, you finish recruiting season, you get all these letters today, and you have to go right back and recruit guys that have played college football and that are available.
5: Yeah, it's a combination. You want to always start with the foundation of recruiting the guys, uh, high school players first, and then you'll supplement your roster based on the attrition. You know, we've had several players decide that they wanted to go pursue opportunities elsewhere via the transfer portal, and I'm sure we'll have a few more. Uh, And so, when we have that, then um, you know we'll look to fulfill those roster spots with with uh, uh, the transfer portal.
3: Coach, I know today you're focused on National Signing Day, but as we look ahead to the bowl game versus Army, what have you seen so far from them? How are you going to defend that triple option offensive attack?
5: Well, you got to start with being assignment sound and disciplined on defense. you got to play physical at the point of contact. Uh, you, can't, you cannot let them have three yards of pop, otherwise they're just going to continue to eat away the clock and gain first down. So we're going to have our hands full. We've got to play uh, really physical, at the point of contact, like I mentioned in assignment, sound and discipline. And, and uh, it's going to be a tremendous challenge for our football team. Uh, but uh, you know, our football team is hungry to prove that we can play at a high level and, and uh, a quality opponent. It's going to be us versus uh, the USA. You know, when you're playing in the armed forces bowl versus the United States arm, you know, army, that uh, it's going to really be us versus everybody. So got, got to, got a real challenge on our hands. And
2: a couple more things for Eli Drinkwitz, who's going to be in town tonight at the Midwestern downtown. 6.30 is when the program begins. Doors open at 6 o'clock, just down the street from Bush Stadium. Eli, first of all, last year you had the ability to go to a bowl game, but COVID knocked it out. How cool is it for you that you'll be able to, as a head coach, take Mizzou to a bowl game?
5: You know, when I took this job, um, there were a lot of people who told me all the negatives about the job and, and, we were in probation. We were down on scholarships. We don't actually finish probation until January. And for us to be able to qualify for back-to-back bowl, bowl games uh, in the face of a lot of adversity, whether it's COVID, whether it's uh, uh, pro- NCA sanctions, whatever it is, uh, you know, there's a sense of, of laying the foundation and, and having the right stuff to build on. To be able to sign back-to-back you know, top recruiting classes that have ever signed here, I think it just shows that the trajectory of the program is going the right way. I know everybody wants it to happen a lot quicker, and believe me, so do I. Um, And there's been good days and bad days. But at the end of the day, we are moving in the right direction, and I, and I can't wait to continue to build this program.
2: And that leads right into what my final question was going to be, because you do have the number nine recruiting class in the country. I know that the Blue Bloods, there's been a lot of changes among coaches in the Blue Bloods. But when you have the back-to-back recruiting classes like this, do you feel the program reaching that big time status?
5: Well, the reality of it is you're going to have we're going to have to put four of these recruiting classes uh, in a row. In order to to get to the same area that some of these other schools are, but we're in the conversation. Uh, I'm not sure if we're ready to go toe to toe with them just yet. But in back to back years, we've been we defeated the, the defending national champs uh, in LSU in our first year. Last this year, we were able to beat the SEC East champ from the year before. Um, so we're we're going toe to toe with some of these guys. We just got to create more consistency and depth.
2: Coach, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll see you tonight downtown St. Louis. I know you got a busy day, so we really do appreciate it. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. That is the coach of your Missouri Tigers, Eli Drinkwitz, the number nine recruiting class in the country. And Michelle, (laughs) the thing is, number four recruiting class in the SEC.
3: Incredible. Congratulations (laughs) to, to Coach and to the entire program.
2: Great job by Coach Drinkwitz. And you can just go to M- MizzouTigers.com and get information about tonight's get-together at the Midwestern in downtown St. Louis. You'll have Desiree Reed-Francois there. You'll have Coach Drinkwitz and assistant coaches taking the podium to talk about this recruiting class. And Luther Burden has signed. Now he's on his way to Mizzou, along with a lot of other really good football players. Sam Horn, the quarterback out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Horn to Burden. lot. We're going to the hear that the next a, few a years. whole bunch. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Danny Mac is coming up here on 101 ESPN. Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one and only Andrew Marsh. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Randy. And Michelle, this was fun. It was actually fun to watch you today because you traversed (laughs) this entire situation essentially without your laptop because you forgot your charger.
3: I did. It was a a rookie mistake. I'm a noob, and I won't let it happen again. But I'm glad that we were able to make it to the finish line without my computer.
2: Now I know what to get you for Christmas. (laughs) A charger. That's right. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.